0: So, previously on Harry Potter, um, Harry escaped from Voldemort and the Death Eaters thanks to um, the cup, the Triwizard cup, which was a portkey to Hogwarts. And he brought back Cedric's body. Chapter 35 Veritas Serum Harry felt himself slam flat into the ground. His face was pressed into grass. The smell of it filled his nostrils. He had closed his eyes while the portkey transported him, and he kept them closed now. He did not move. All the breath seemed to have been knocked out of him. His head was swimming so badly he felt as though the ground beneath him was swaying like the deck of a ship. To hold himself steady, he tightened his hold on the two things he was still clutching. The smooth, cold handle of the tri-wizard cup and Cedric's body. He felt as though he would slide away into the blackness gathering at the edges of his brain if he let go of either of them. Shock and exhaustion kept him on the ground, breathing in the smell of the grass, waiting, waiting for someone to do something, something to happen. And all the while, his scar burnt dirty on his forehead. A torrent of sound defeated and confused him. There were voices everywhere, footsteps, screams. He remained where he was, his face screwed up against the noise, as though it was a nightmare that would pass. Then... A pair of hands seized him, roughly, and turned him him over. Harry, Harry, he opened his eyes. He was looking up at the starry sky, and Albus Dumbledore was crouched over him. The dark shadows of a crowd of people pressed in around them, pushing nearer. Harry felt the ground beneath his head reverberating with their footsteps. He had come back to the edge of the maze. He could see the stands rising above him, the shapes of people moving in them, the stars above. Harry let go of the cup, but he clutched Cedric to him even more tightly. He raised his free hand and seized Dumbledore's wrist, while Dumbledore's face swam in and out of focus. His back, Harry whispered. His back, Voldemort. What's going on? What happened? The face of Cornelius Fudge appeared upside down over Harry. It looked white, appalled. "'My God, Tiggory!' it whispered. "'Temberdor, he's dead!' The words were repeated. The shadowy figures pressing in on them gasped it to those around them. And then others shouted it, screeched it, into the night. "'He's dead! He's dead!' Cedric Tiggory, dead!' Harry let go of him. He heard Fergus's voice said say, and he felt fingers trying to prise him from Cedric's slim body, but Harry wouldn't let him go. Then Tumbledore's face, which was still blurred and misted, came closer. Harry, you can't help him now. It's over. Let go. He wanted me to bring him back, Harry muttered. It seemed important to explain this. He wanted he wanted me to bring him back to his parents. That's right, Harry, just let go now. Dumbledore bent down and with extraordinary strength for a man so old and thin, raised Harry from the ground and set him on his feet. Harry's foot. His head was pounding. His injured leg would no longer support his weight. The crowd around them jostled, fighting to get closer, pressing darkly in on him. What's happened? What's wrong with him? Tigger dead. He'll need to go to the hospital wing, fudge was saying loudly. He's ill. He's injured. Dumbledore, Tigory's parents, they're here. They're in the stands. I'll take Harry, Dumbledore. I'll take him. No, I would prefer... Dumbledore, Amos Diggory's running. He's coming over. Don't you think you should tell him before he sees? Harry stay here. Girls were screaming, sobbing, hysterically. The scene flickered oddly before Harry's eyes. It's all right, son. I've got you. Come on, hospital wing. Dumbledore said stay, Harry said Harry thickly, the pounding in his car making him feel as though he was about to throw up. His vision was blurring, worse. Than ever. You need to lie down. Come on now. Someone larger and stronger than Harry was was half pulling, half carrying him through the frightened crowd. Harry heard them gasping, screaming, and shouting as the man supporting him, supporting him, pushed a path through them, taking him back to the castle. Across the lawn, past the lake and the damn ship, Harry had nothing but the heavy breathing of the man helping him walk. What happened, Harry? the man asked at last, as he lifted Harry up the stone steps. Clunk, clunk, clunk. It was Madai Muji. Cup was a key," said Harry, as they crossed the entrance hall. Took me and Cedric to a graveyard, and Voldemort was there, thought Voldemort. Clunk, 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 up the marble stairs. The Dark Lord was there? What happened then? Killed Cedric, they killed Cedric, and then? Clunk, clunk along the corridor made a potion got his body back the dark lord got his body back He's returned. and the death eaters came and, there, and then we dueled you dueled with the dark lord got away my wand did something funny i saw my mom and dad they came out of his wand. I'm here, Harry. In here. And sit down. You'll be alright now. Drink this. Harry heard a key scrape in a lock and felt a cup being pushed into his hands. Drink it. You'll feel better. Come on now, Harry. I need to know exactly what happened. Moody helped tip the stuff down Harry's throat. He coughed, a peppery taste burning his throat. Moody's office came into sh- sharper focus, and so did Moody himself. He looked as white as fur, and both eyes were fixed and blankly and blank upon Harry's face. Voldemort's back, Harry. You're sure he's back. How did he do it? He took stuff from his father's grave and from Wormtail and me, said Harry. His head felt clearer. His car wasn't hurting so badly. He could now see Moody's face distinctly, even though the office was dark. He could still hear screaming and shouting from the distant Quidditch pitch. What did the Dark Lord take from you? said Moody. Blood, said Harry, raising his arm. His sleeve was ripped while Wormtail's dagger had torn it. Moody let out his breath in long, low hiss. And the Death Eaters... They returned? Yes, said Harry. Loads of of them. How did he treat them? Moody asked quietly. Did he forgive them? But Harry had suddenly remembered. He should have told Dumbledore. He should have said it straight away. There's a Death Eater at Hogwarts. There's a Death Eater here. They put my name in the Goblet of Fire. They made sure I got through to the end. Harry tried to get up, but Moody pushed him back down. I know who the Death Eater is, he said quietly. Karkaroff, said Harry wildly. Where is he? Have you got him? Is he locked up? Karkaroff, said Moody with a nod laugh, Karkaroff fled tonight when he felt the dark mud burn upon his arm. He betrayed too many faithful supporters of the Dark Lord to wish to meet them, but I doubt he will get far. The Dark Lord has ways of tracking his enemies. Kaka was gone he ran away. But then he didn't put my name in the cup. No, said Moody slowly. No he didn't. It was I who did that. Harry heard, but didn't believe. No you didn't, he said. You did you didn't do that. You can't have done I assure you I did said Moody, and his magical eye swung around and fixed upon the door, and Harry knew he was making sure that there was no one outside it. At the same time, Moody drew out his wand and pointed it at Harry. He forgave them. Then, he said, the Death Eaters who went free, the ones who escaped Azkaban. What? said Harry. He was looking at the one Moody was pointing at him. This was a bad joke. It had to be. I asked you, said Moody quietly, whether he forgave the scum who never even went to look for him. Those treacherous cowards who wouldn't even brave Azkaban for him, the faithless, worthless bits of filth, who were brave enough to covert in masks at the Quidditch World Cup, but fled at the sight of the dark mark when I fired it into the sky. You fired? What are you talking about? I told you, Harry. I told you, if there's one thing I hate more than any other, it's a death eater who walked free. They turned their backs on my master when he needed them the most. I expected him to punish them. I expected him to torture them. Tell me he hurt them, Harry his face was suddenly lit with an insane smile. Tell me he told them what I, I alone, remained faithful, prepared to risk everything to deliver to him the one thing he wanted above all, you. You didn't, it's, it can't be you. Who put your name in the goblet of fire under the name of a different school? I did. Who frightened off every person I thought might try to hurt you or prevent you winning the tournament? I did. Who nudged Hagrid into showing you the the dragons? I did. Who helped you see the only way you could beat the dragon? I did. Moody's magical eye had now left the door. It was fixed upon Harry. His lopsided mouth leered more widely than ever. It hasn't been easy, Harry, guiding you through these tasks without arousing suspicion. I have had to use every ounce of cunning I possess, so that my hand would not be detectable in your success. Dumbledore would have been very suspicious if you had managed everything too easily. As long as you got into the maze, preferably with a decent head, start, then I knew I would have a chance of getting rid of the the other champions and leaving you your way clear, but I also had to contend against your stupidity. The second task, that was when I was most afraid we could fail. I was keeping watch on you, Potter, I knew you hadn't worked out the X clue. So, I had to give you another hint. You didn't Harry said hoarsely. Cedric gave me the clue. Who told Cedric to open it underwater? I did. I trusted that he would pass the information on to you. Decent people are so easy to manipulate, Potter. I was sure Cedric would want to repay you for telling him about dragons, and so he did. But even then, Potter, even then, you seemed likely to fail. I was watching all the time, all those hours in the library. Didn't you realise that the book you needed was in your dormitory all along? I planted it there early on, I gave it to Longbottom boy, don't you remember, magical mediterranean water plants and their properties. It would have told you all you needed about Killiweed, I expected you to ask everyone and anyone you could for help, Longbottom would have told you in an instant. But you did not. You did not. You have a streak of pride and independence that might have ruined all. So what could I do? Feed you information from another innocent source? You told me at the Yule Bar a house elf called Dobby had given you a Christmas present. I called the elf... To the staff room to collect some robes of cleaning. I staged a loud conversation with Professor McNuggle about the hostages who had been taken and whether Potter would think to use Giddyweed. And your little air friend ran straight to Snape's store cupboard and hurried to find you. With his wand, was still pointing directly at Harry's heart. Over his shoulder, foggy shapes were moving in the faux glass on the wall. You were so long in that lake, Potter. I thought you had drowned. But luckily Dumbledore took your idiocy for nobility and marked you high for it. I breathed again. You had an easier time of it than you should have done in that maze tonight, of course, said Moody. That was because I was patrolling around it, able to see through the outer hedges, able to cast many obstacles out of your way. I stunned Fleur de la Cour as she passed. I put the imperious curse on Crumb so that he would finish the gory and leave your path to the cup clear. Harry stared at Moody. He just didn't see how this could be. Tambado's friend, the famous Aura, the one who had caught so many Death Eaters, it made no sense, no sense at all. The foggy shapes in the fog glass were sharpening, had become more distinct. Harry could see the outlines of three people over Moody's shoulder, moving closer and closer. But Moody wasn't watching them. His magical eyes was upon Harry. The Dark Lord didn't manage to kill you, Potter, and... He so wanted to, whispered Moody. Imagine how he will reward me when he finds I have done it for him. I gave you to him the thing he needed both all to regenerate, and then I killed you for him. I will be honored beyond all other Death Eaters. I will be his dearest, his closest supporter, closer than a son. Moody's normal eye was bulging, the magical eye fixed upon Harry. The door was barred and Harry knew he would never reach his own one in time. The Dark Lord and I, said Moody. And he looked completely insane now, towering over Harry, leering down at him. Have much in common. Both of us, for instance, had very disappointing fathers. Being named after those fathers and both of us had the pleasure, the very great pleasure, of killing our parents. Or our fathers, to ensure the continued rise of the Dark Order. You're mad," Harry said. He couldn't stop himself. "You're mad," mad am I?" said Moody, his voice rising uncontrollably. "We'll, s- we'll see. We'll see who's mad now that the Dark Lord has returned." With me at his side. He is back, Harry Potter. You did not conquer him. And now I conquer you. Muji raised his wand. He opened his mouth. Harry plunged his own hand into his robes. Stupefy. There was a blinding flash of red light and with a great splintering and crashing, the door of Moody's office was blasted apart. Moody was thrown backwards onto the, the office floor. Harry still staring at the place where Moody's face had been, saw Albert Dumbledore, Professor Snape, and Professor McGonagall looking back at, back at him out of the faux glass. He looked around and saw the three of them standing in the doorway, Dumbledore in front, his one outstretched. At that moment Harry fully understood what uh, Ali Harry fully understood for the first time why people said Dumbledore was the only wizard, wizard for the Moth. had Ever feared. The look under Dumbledore's face as he stared down at the the unconscious form of Madame Moody was more terrible than Harry could ever have imagined. There was no benign smile upon Dumbledore's face. No twinkle in the eyes behind the spectacles. There was cold fury in every line of the ancient face. A sense of power re- radiated from Dumbledore as though he was giving off burning heat. He stepped into the office, placed a foot underneath Moody's unconscious body and kicked him over onto his back, so that his face was visible. Snape followed him, looking into the glass, where his own face was still visible, glaring into the room. Professor McGonagall went straight to Harry. Come along, Potter, she whispered. The thin line of her mouth was twitching as though she was about to cry. Come along, hospital wing. No, said Dumbledore sharply. Dumbledore, he ought to look at him. He's been through enough tonight. He will stay, Minerva, because he needs to understand, said Dumbledore curtly. Understanding is the first se- step to acceptance, and only with acceptance can there be recovery. He needs to know who has put him through the ordeal he has suffered tonight, and why. Moji, Harry said, he was still in a state of complete disbelief. How can it have been Muji. This is not Alastair Muji, said Dumbledore quietly. You have never known Alastair Muji. The wi- real Muji would not have removed you from my sight after what happened tonight. The moment he took you, I knew and I followed. Dumbledore went down over Moody's limp form, and put her hand inside his nose. He pulled out Moody's hip flask and the set of keys on a ring. Then he turned to Professor McGonagall and Snape. Severus, please fetch me the strongest truth potion you possess, and then go down to the kitchens. And bring up the else elf called Winky. Minerva, kindly go down to Hagrid's house where you will find a large black dog sitting in the pumpkin patch. Take the dog up to my office, there. tell him I will be with him shortly, then come back here. If either Snape or McGonagall found this instruction peculiar, they hid their confusion. Both turned at once and left the office. Dumbledore walked over to the trunk with seven locks, fitted the first key in the lock, and opened it. It contained a mass of spell books. Dumbledore closed the trunk, placed the second key in the second lock, and opened the trunk again. The spell books had vanished, this time it contained an assortment of broken sneaker scope, some parchment and coils, and what looked like a silvery invisibility cloak. Harry watched, astounded, as Dumbledore placed the 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th keys in their respective locks, reopening the trunk and each time revealing different contents. Then he placed the 7th key in the lock, threw open the lid and Harry let out a cry of amazement. He was looking down into a kind of pit, an underground room, and lying on the floor some ten feet below, apparently fast asleep, thin and starved in appearance was the real Madaimuji. His wooden leg was gone. The socket which should have held the magical eye looked empty beneath its lid. Chunks of his grizzled hair were missing. Harry stared, thunderstruck, between the sleeping moody in the trunk and the unconscious moody lying on the floor of the the office. Dumbledore climbed into the trunk, lowered himself and fell lightly onto the floor beside the sleeping moody. He bent over him. Stand, controlled by the imperious curse, very weak. He said, "Of course they would have needed to keep him alive." Harry, throw down the impostor's cloak. Or the store is freezing. Madame Pomfrey will need to see him, but he seems in no immediate danger. Harry did as he was told, dumped old covert moody in the cloak, tucked it around him, and clambered out of the trunk again. Then he picked up the heap flask that stood upon the desk, unscrewed it, and turned it over. A thick glutinous Liquid splattered onto the office floor. Polyjuice potion, Harry," said Dumbledore. "You see the simplicity of it and the brilliance. For Moody never does drink except from his hip flask. He's well known for it. The impostor needed, of course, to keep the real Moody close by." that he could continue making the potion. You see his hair? Dumbledore looked down on the Muji in the trunk. The imposter has been cutting it off all year, see where it is uneven. But I think, in the excitement of tonight, Our fake Muji might have forgotten to take it as frequently as he should have done. On the hour, every hour, we shall see. Dumbledore pulled out the chair at the desk and sat down upon it. His eyes fixed upon the unconscious Muji on the floor. Harry stared at him, too. Minutes passed in silence. Then, before Harry's very eyes, the face of the man on the floor began to change. The scars were disappearing, the skin was becoming smooth, the mangled nose became whole and started to shrink. The long mane of grizzled grey hair was withdrawing into the skull. And turning the collar off straw. Suddenly, with a loud clank, the wooden leg fell away as a normal leg regrew in its place. Next moment, the magical eyeball had popped out of the man's face as a real eye replaced it. It rolled away across the floor and continued to swivel. Harry saw a man lying before him, pale-skinned, slightly freckled, with a mop of fair hair. He knew who he was. He had seen him in Dumbledore's band's eve, had watched him being led away from court by the Dementors, trying to convince Mr Crouch that he was innocent but he was lined around the eyes now, and looked much older. There were hurried footsteps outside in the corridor. Snape had returned, but with Winky at his heels. Professor McGonagall was right behind them. Crouch, Snape said, stopping dead in the doorway. Barty Crouch! ''Good heavens!'' said Professor McGonagall, stopping dead and staring down at the man on the floor. Filthy dish-shelled, Winky peered around Snape's legs. Her mouth opened wide, and she let out a piercing shriek. ''Master Barty, Master Barty, what is you doing here?'' She flung herself forward, onto the young man's chest. You killed him, you killed him, you killed Master son. He simply stunned, Winky, said Dumbledore. Step aside, please, Severus, you have the potion. Snape handed Dumbledore a small glass bottle of completely clear liquid, the Veritaserum, with... Which he had threatened Harry in class. Dumbledore got up, bent over the man on the floor, and pulled him into the sitting position against the wall beneath the full glass, in which the reflection of Dumbledore, Snape, and McGonagall was still glaring down upon them all. Winky remained on her knees. Trembling, her hands over her face. Dumbledore forced the man's mouth open, and poured three drops inside it. Then he pointed his wand at the man's chest, and said, "Renervate." Crouch's son op- opened his eyes. His face was slack his gaze unfocused. Dumbledore knelt before him so that their faces were level. Can you hear me? Dumbledore asked quietly. The man's eyelids flickered. Yes, he muttered. I would like you to tell us, said Dumbledore softly. How you come to be here? How did you escape from Azkaban? Crouch took a deep, shuddering breath, then began to speak in a flat, expressionless voice. My mother saved me. She knew she was dying. She persuaded my father to rescue me as a last favour to her. He loved her. As he had never loved me. He agreed. They came to visit me. They gave me a drop of Polyjuice Potion containing one of my mother's hairs. She took a drop of Polyjuice Potion containing one o- of my hairs. We took on each other's appearance Winky was shaking her head, trembling. Say no more, Master Barty, say no more. You is getting your father into trouble. <coughs> but Crouch took another deep breath and continued in the same flat voice. The dementors are blind. They sensed one healthy, one dying person entering Ascaban. They sensed one healthy, one dying person live in it. My father smuggled me out, disguised as my mother, in case any prisoners were watching through the doors. My mother died a short while afterwards in the Skaban. She was careful to drink Politus potion until the end. She was buried under my name and bearing my appearance. Everyone believed her to be me. The man's eyelids flickered. And what did your father do with you when he had got you home? Said Dumbledore quietly. Stuck my mother's death. a quiet private funeral. That grave is empty. The house elf nursed me back to health. Then I had to be concealed. I had to be controlled. My father had to use a number of spells to subdue me. When I had recovered my strength, I thought only of finding my master, of returning to his service. How did your father subdue you? said Dumbledore. The imperious curse, Crouch said, I was under my father's control, I was forced to wear an invisibility cloak day and night, I was always with the Owl-Self, she was my keeper and carer, she pitied me, she persuaded my father to give me occasional treats rewards for my good behaviour. Master Barty, Master Barty, sobbed. the winky through her hands. You isn't out to tell them. We is getting in trouble. Did anybody ever discover that you were still alive? said Dumbledore softly. Did anyone know, expected Except your father and the owlself. Yes, said Crouch, his eyelids flickering again. A witch in my father's office. Bertha Jorkings. She came to the to the house with paper from for my father's signature. He was not at home. Winky showed her inside and returned to the kitchen to me. But Bertha Jorkins heard Winky talking to me. She came to investigate. She had enough to guess who was hiding under the invisibility cloak. My father arrived home. She confronted him. He put a very powerful memory charm on her. To make her forget what she'd found out. Too powerful said it damaged her memory permanently. Why is she coming to know nose in my master's private business? sobbed the Winky. Why isn't she leaving us be? Tell me about the Quidditch World Cup, said Dumbledore. Winky talked my father into it, said Crouch still in the same monotonous voice. She spent months pursuing him. I had not left the house for years. I had loved Quidditch. Let him go, she said. He will be in his invisibility cloak. He can watch. Let him smell fresh air for once. She said my mother would have wanted it. She told my father that my mother had died to give me freedom. She had not saved me for a little of for a life of um, imprisonment. He agreed in the end. It was carefully planned. My father led myself and Winky up to the top box early in the day. Winky was to say that she was saving a seat for my father. I was to sit there, invisible. When everyone had left the box, we would emerge. Winky would appear to be alone. Nobody would ever know. But Winky didn't know that I was growing stronger. I was starting to fight mum my father's imperious curse, there were times when I was almost myself again, there were brief periods when I seemed outside his control, it happened there in the top box, it was like waking from a deep sleep, I found myself out in public in the middle of the match, and I saw the, a wand sticking out of a boy's pocket in front of me. I had not been allowed a wand since, bef- since before Azkaban. I stole it. Winky didn't know. Winky is frightened of hate. She had her face hidden. ''Master Barty, you bad boy!'' whispered Winky. She is trickling between her fingers. So you took the wand, said Dumbledore. And what did you do with it? We went back to the tent, said Crouch. Then we heard them. We heard the Death Eaters, the ones who had never been to Askeban, the ones who had never suffered for my master. They had turned their backs on him, they were not enslaved. I was. They were free to seek him, but they did not. They were merely making sport of Mughal's. The sound of their voices awoke me. My mind was clearer clearer than it had been in years. I was angry. I had the wand. I had left the tent. He had gone to free the Mughal, my father. I wanted to attack them for their disloyalty to my master. Winky was afraid to see me so hungry. She used her own brand of magic to bind me to her. She pulled me from the tent, pulled me into the forest, away from the Death Eaters. I tried to hold her back, I wanted to return to the campsite. I wanted to show these Death Eaters what loyalty to the Dark Lord meant and punish them for their lack of it. I used the stolen wand to cast the Dark Mark into the sky. Ministry wizards arrived. They shot stunning spells everywhere. One of the spells came through the trees where Winky and I stood. The bond connecting us was broken. We were both stunned. When Winky was discovered, my father knew I must be nearby. He searched the bushes where she had been found and felt me lying there. He waited until the... Other ministry members had left the forest. He put me back under the imperious curse and took me home. He dismissed Winky. She had failed him. She had let me acquire wand. She had almost let me escape. Winky let out a wail of despair. Now, it was just Father and I alone in the house. And then and then Crouch's head rolled on his neck and an insane green spread across his face. My master came to for me. He arrived at her, at our house late on night in the arms of his servant Warmtail. My master had found out that I was still alive. He had captured Bertha Dawkins in Albania. He had tortured her. She told him a great deal. She told him about the Triwizard Tournament. She told him the old aura Moody was going to teach Hogwarts. He tortured her until he broke through the memory charm my father had placed upon her. She told him I had escaped from Azkaban. She told him my father kept me imprisoned to prevent me seeking my master. And so my master knew that I was still his faithful servant, perhaps the most faithful of all. My master conceived a plan based upon the information Bertha had given him. He needed me. He arrived at our house near midnight. My father answered the door. The smile spread wider over Crouch's face as though recalling the sweetest memory of his life his petrified brown eyes were visible through her fingers. She seemed too appalled to speak. It was very quick. My father was placed under the imperious curse by my master. Now my father was the one imprisoned, controlled. My master forced him to go about his business as usual. To act as though nothing was wrong and I was released. I awoke. I was myself again alive as I hadn't been in years. And what's it for Lord Voldemort ask you to do? said Dumbledore. He asked me whether I was ready to risk everything for him. I was ready. It was my dream, my greatest ambition, to serve him, to prove myself to him. He told me he needed to place a faithful servant at Hogwarts. A servant who who would guide Harry Potter through. The Triwizard Tournament without appearing to do so. A servant who would watch over Harry Potter. And sure, he reached the tri-wizard Cup. Turned the cup into a portkey, which would take the first person to touch it to my master. But first... You needed Alastor Muji, said Dumbledore. His blue eyes were blazing, though his voice remained calm. One town I did it, We had prepared the polyjuice potion beforehand. We journeyed to his house. Moody put up a struggle. There was a commotion. We managed to subdue him just in time. Forced him into a compartment of his own magical trunk. Took some of his hair and added it to the potion. I drank it. I became Moody's double. I took his leg and his eyes, his eye. I was ready to face Arthur Weasley when he arrived to sort out the muggles who had heard a disturbance. I met the dustbin move around the yard. I told Arthur Weasley. I had heard intruders in my heart who had set the dust beans off. Then I packed up Moody's clothes and dark detectors, put them in the trunk with Moody, and set off for Hogwarts. I kept him alive under the Emperor's curse. I wanted to be able to question him, to find out about his past. Learn his habits so that I could fool even Dumbledore. I also needed his hair to make the Polyjuice potion. The other ingredients were easy. I stole Boom's long skin from the dungeons. When the potion master found me in his office, I said I was under orders to search it. And what became of Wormtail after you attacked Mooji said Dumbledore. Wormtail returned to care for my master in my father's house and to keep watch over my father. But your father escaped, said Dumbledore. Yes, after a while he began to fight the Imperius Curse just as I had done. There were periods where he knew what was happening. My master decided it was no longer safe for my father to leave the house. He forced him to send letters to the ministry instead. He made him write and say he was ill, but one Tell neglected his duty was not watchful enough, my father escaped, my master guessed that he was heading for Hogwarts, my father was going to tell them about everything to confess, he was going to admit that he had smuggled me from Azkaban, my master sent me a word of my father's escape, told me to stop him at all costs. So I waited and watched. I used the map I had taken from Harry Potter, the map that had almost ruined everything. Map? said Dumbledore quite quickly. What map is it? Potter's map of Hogwarts. Potter saw me on it. Potter saw me stealing more ingredients for the Polyjuice Potion from Snape's office one night. He thought he w- I was my father, as he- we have the same first name. I took the map from Potter that night. I told him my father hated dark wizards. Potter believed my father was after Snape. For a week I waited for my father to arrive at Hogwarts. At last one evening the map showed my father entering the grounds. I pulled on my invisibility cloak and went down to meet him. He was walking around the edge of the forest. Then Potter came and crammed. I waited. I could not hurt Potter. My master needed him. Potter ran to get Dumbledore. I stand the crumb. I killed my father. No, wailed Winky. Master Barty, what is you saying? You killed your father? Saint Dumbledore said in the same soft voice. What did you do with the body? Carried it into the forest. Covered it with the invisibility cloak. I had the map with me. I watched Potter run into the castle. He met Snape. Dumbledore joined them. I watched Potter bringing Dumbledore out of the castle. I walked back out of the forest. Doubled run behind them. Went to meet them. I told Dumbledore Snape had told me where to call. Dumbledore told me to go and look for my father. I went back to my father's body, watched the map. When everyone was gone, I transfigured my father's body. He became a bone. I buried it while wearing the invisibility cloak in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. There was complete silence now, except for Winky's continued sobs. Then Dumbledore said, And tonight, I hope, I offered to carry the tri-wizard cup into the maid before dinner, whispered Barty Crouch, turned it into a portkey. My master's plan worked. He is returned to power and I will be honoured by him beyond the dreams of wizards. The insane smile lit his features once more and his head drooped onto his shoulder, as Winky wailed and sobbed at his side. Sorry, I didn't read very well tonight. I'm a little bit tired, but I hoped you liked it. Um, And I love you, and good night, or good sport. Goodbye!